Hello there. I'm Ryan Woods, a Spartan god. This is my own mind. You're listening to the I'm a Spartan podcast, Scott Knowles. And I'm, what the fuck am I doing this, man? This is fucking stupid. Are you kidding me? I'm doing these favors for these bums? Nah, fuck this. I'm out here. Katie, bring me some wine. I'm fucking out. I am Scott the Fane Knowles, and you're listening to another episode of I'm a Spartan OCR Podcast. What's up, everybody? Um, I got a cool guest here. I was talking to my buddy Matt Cordy in New Jersey, and he was telling me how he's got this condition that's called aclasia, where his esophagus kind of uh, closes up right before his stomach. And I'd never heard of it before, so I wanted to bring him on and just kind of talk to him about it, you know, and how he's still able to, you know, do ultras and stuff and how he's kind of worked through this. But before that, I want to talk about this past weekend at Fayetteville for the trifecta. I want to say congratulations to everybody out there that did the whole trifecta or did their first ultra. There was a lot of people out there doing their first ultra. It was an awesome course. To me, it was a little harder than last year. I think Izzy said he thought it was easier. I thought it was harder. Um, the Ultra Loop was definitely harder with that trench of death that was on it. <laughs> on the first loop, going through that, it was like, which way do you go? You know, you had to get in the stream a little bit and then get out of it. And there was all these like holly type bushes that you had to go through and get all scratched up. And... I mean, the best way I can describe it is it's, it's like a ditch and there's a creek going through it and it's probably maybe six feet wide, but then it would be when you're in the water, it would be like six feet tall on some side. So you were like in it and there was like all these frogs and lizards jumping around. And I was thinking if there's a snake anywhere on the course, it's right here. We're in the home. You know, and we had the extra carry on the Ultra Loop too. And I feel like that carry, that carry was definitely longer than the other sandbag carry and the bucket carry. Um, but I will say this, compared to last year, because last year's carry was in mud. The sandbag carry was in mud. Um, the bucket carry was virtually the same bucket carry it felt like i mean it was in the same spot too but i mean these carries were all pretty much dry the the ultra loop carry was kind of technical and so was the other sandbag carry was kind of technical too just a lot of uh just wooded trees you had to go through and everything um the rolling mud was awesome <laughs> it felt so good on the second lap because it was so hot and that dunk wall water was so cold, even though it was disgusting. It was so cold. I was so happy to finish that race before it started flooding. I think when I got to the spear, it had just started just coming down. And uh, I was so happy to finish that spear. And I come across the line, and I was so tired of running. I just laid on the ground and just let it rain on me. I think I got a picture. I think Tim took a picture of me just laying on my back. 
and it's just pouring down rain on me. I was so tired. I mean, and it's it, and it's a different kind of feel like when you go to say New Jersey or Killington and do that race and then when you come here and do this race like in Carol in either one of the Carolina Ultras and the reason why is is because this race was virtually runnable. The whole race you could run it except for a couple of technical spots that were really bad. So I would say you could probably run 95% of this race. And that's what makes it hard because most of the time my long runs are 10 to 15 miles. So after I go past that two and a half hour mark, I'm in, you know, I shouldn't, I'm not used to running this much after that. So that's what's the, it's like you're in that stagnant running form, which of course the technicality of the course changes that up. But you know, the tough part about this course for me was having to run when you want to walk because you're like, man, I'm tired of running. It's starting to hurt. I'm starting to cramp and you just want to walk and you got to force yourself to kind of just keep doing that, that soft J that slow jog. But uh, this year, I didn't cramp half as bad as I did last year. And I want to say it was still pretty hot. It was just as hot this year as it was last year. Especially like right before lunch. Because it got to like full sun and it was hot. And I want to say the whole time I was on the ultra loop, it was like full sun on the second lap. And it got so freaking hot. And I don't know if y'all got one of the new pennies but they don't breathe as good as the old ones. Like it's more like a dry fit shirt and not like a like that mesh shirt. Like you couldn't really see through this one like you could those mesh ones from, you know, the other races. I do like the elastic waistband at the bottom of the shirt, you know, because I use a flip belt and the other shirt would get in the way when you're trying to go into the pockets of it. And this one, you could just pull it up and it worked good. But, uh, man, it, it was a good race. Um, I enjoyed it. I was looking back. My transition time, it was longer than I, I felt like it was because I usually, I had two honey stinger waffles and two, like, bite-sized, five, like, bite-sized Snickers, and I was not in the mood to chew on honey stinger waffles, so I pretty much, I had a frozen bottle of 20-ounce water, and uh, I dumped it on my head. What, but it wasn't completely unfrozen. So after that, I just set it on and I just set it to the side um, so it could thaw out so I could drink it when I got done and just still have something cold to drink. Uh, uh, I, I drank my Endurlite or Perform Elite and I ate those five bite sized Snickers and then I just went back out. Um, but I was looking back from last year to this year. My average pace was exactly the same. It was one second slower. But this course was like, I think I had a quarter mile more, a little more than a quarter mile more. And we had we had the extra sandbag carry. So I run clean, which I was super stoked about. And that was what was so scary too, is because the spear was pretty much the last obstacle before the A-frame. So you're running that whole race thinking, well, there's until the last minute, you know, you didn't know until it was a clean race until you got to the end. So I was super happy that I was able to run the whole thing clean. There's no feeling like running ultra clean. 
And, uh, but it was a good race, had a lot of fun, met a lot of people, um, saw a lot of people on the ultra on the second lap. And, uh, it was cool, man. Uh, I decided to sit out the super and the sprint and I kept going back and forth. No, I need to go run it. And I, I, I didn't even have racing clothes on and I was walking and they parked me all the way down at the tree line. I'm sure I was a half a mile away on Sunday coming to the race. I dropped Leanne off because we weren't running behind, but it was just so she could get registered and get ready for her race. And I, I was walking away from the car and I was like, man, I ought to just go change right now and just, you know, hop in on the super and, and, and just do the super. But I said, you know what? I'm just going to take it easy today and just start going ahead and start my recovery so I can get back to training. But anyway, it was a super fun weekend. Uh, it looked like everybody had a good time and Sunday I mean, I know they're talking about Spartans hurting for money, in which they may—I mean, they may well be. I mean, it was—it's understanding because they bought Tough Mudder right before the pandemic, so I'm sure they are hurting. But on Sunday, oh my God, when the sprint waves—every single sprint wave looked like it was slam full. So it was good to see, you know, how busy it was. It definitely looked busier in Fayetteville than it did in New Jersey, and uh, I hope maybe you know, the races for the rest of the season will be packed out. Um, the 2023 season pass is available to buy. It's super early, but I went ahead and bought it just because there's been times in the past where I think like the first, it was the second year the pass was available. I think it was like $4.99. And I was like, you know what, I'm going to wait because that was before they did it on a Every calendar year, they did it from when, if you bought it in July, it lasted until next July. And I had some free race codes, and I was like, I'm going to use these free race codes, and then I'll get the pass then. Well, I waited, and sure enough, it jumped up to like $7.99. So from that day on, I told myself, as soon as it's available to buy for the next year, I'm going to buy it. So that's what I'm doing. I bought it because... If it comes out for sale later, it might be $100 more. I really honestly don't think that's going to happen. It'll probably stay the same. But my luck, if I didn't buy it now, it would. But anyway, um, here's the interview with Matt Cordy. Matt Cordy, what is going on today, brother? Uh, just, you know, living the dream uh, up here at the lake house. Uh, <clears throat> putting, putting in a few sections of the dock. Uh, had today off work and you know good times so when you say lake house is that like your permanent residence or do you have an additional house uh so it's actually my um uh in-laws right um and so like up here i'm i live in michigan and uh we we love our uh quote-unquote up north um so it's it's a it's their their residence um and we we drive it's about like two and a half uh, two hours and 45 minutes north of where um, me and my wife live. Okay. And and you said you live in Michigan, right? Yep. All right. So, yep. so tell us a little bit about yourself, man. Like, how old are you? Like, what do you do for a living? Uh, so, I'm 34. Uh, I currently work uh, part-time, and then I'm part-time uh, stay-at-home dad. Right. Um, I uh, just had a... 
uh, layoff at work. Um, I, the, the company I used to work for, uh, the guy actually sold, I used to work for Subway. Right. Um, we used to be us, uh, I, we used to develop like Subway restaurants mm-hmm. and, um, we would train franchisees and then we would come back and make sure that they would be, that they would run the stores properly and all that stuff. Um, and the guy that I worked for sold the company back to Subway. Um, and so we were kind of SOL on the job, um, which kind of worked out. I was kind of thinking about moving on anyways. Um, so this kind of nudged me in that direction. Um, and I have a nine month old at home. Um, so kind of became part time, stay at home, dad, part work, part time. So, um, yeah. What was harder being a full-time employee or being a stay at home dad? it's a tough question man uh um you know the job that i had was was pretty laid back and pretty easy going um we just we just come into the store we make sure that things were were done right uh you know just like every job it was it was pretty pretty annoying where you know people didn't want us in their stores and you know stores didn't run good and we had to you know do extra stuff um, but I, I, I love staying at home with, with my daughter. She's like, puts a smile on my face every day, man. It's, it's, it's great. It's good stuff. Yeah. So, I was about to say that's a, probably a way better and more rewarding job for sure. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. Yep. Definitely. Um, so your wife is totally cool with just leaving you, trusting you at the house by <laughs> yourself with your daughter, huh? <laughs> yeah. 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 It, it took a few months, but, uh, uh, um, I, I'm pretty good at it now, I think. So she doesn't call and check on you like every 30 minutes and say, is the daughter still alive? <laughs> <laughs> uh, we do chat for a while when she's on her, uh, lunch break. Um, mainly because, uh, uh, my daughter is, is in the babble stage. So she just kind of like babbles a ton and, Oh. And my wife loves to hear hear the babble, so uh, she calls at lunch, and uh, we chat for a while. Uh, just you know, yeah, it could be partly because uh, making sure that you know baby's still you know alive and I haven't done anything too wrong. So well, that's awesome, man. Yeah. <clears throat> well, man, tell us a little bit about like you know your how what your background is and like running and sports and like how you got into like OCR. So I was never a runner. Um, I actually played football growing up, um, and I actually, before football, I, I, I played soccer, Little League, and um, I actually picked being a goalie because it, became, because it came with the least amount of running. <laughs> uh, I, was, I was a very overweight, very fat kid. Um, I, I actually, you know, a lot of people now, like a lot of my running friends and, and OCR community, you know, I tell them that um, I used to be an offensive lineman. And, uh, that I used to weigh 280, 280 pounds in high school. And, uh, you know, they, they give me this weird look. (laughs) Um, so, and I wanted to continue to, to, to continue my football career. Uh, I played in college, um, just like a real small school up here in Michigan. It's called Adrian college. Uh, I played four years there. Um, Division three, uh, so like the bottom of the barrel. But you know, I still like to say that I'm a college athlete. Hell yeah! Uh, didn't didn't really play much either. So <laughs> the height of my football career was high school for sure. Um, I was you know I did pretty good. Um, and after college was over, um, you know I kept eating as if 
I was still playing football and I didn't really have any activity at all. Um, and, and, and I got pretty big and, and started noticing it in pictures. And, uh, that's when I fell into, um, just running. Um, I didn't really do any OCR. I didn't even know it was a thing. Right. Uh, I graduated college in 2010. Um, and I started, started running, um, probably like 2013 ish around there. Um, mainly because, uh, I was pretty, pretty heavy alcoholic and, um, I, I, I started out like running just to like detox my body so I could like continue to drink. Um, and, and, and then I found, um, OCR and it kind of snowballed from there. Um, but like cutting out the alcohol, uh, to perform better, basically. So, man, you're like pretty fit now. Like, what? How did you, um, you know, how did you lose all that weight? Um, I I pretty much changed my diet. Uh, I eat as as healthy as possible um, most of the time. Uh, <clears throat> and then, like, in addition to to the running is that is how I pretty much dropped it. And, and, um, I used to drink a lot of pop. Um, mm. I caught pop out, uh, was, or, or soda or Coke. I don't know what you guys call it down there. Right? Soda. <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, so, and then the alcohol too. Um, that was, that was a big thing for me. Um, once I cut out the alcohol, uh, is, is when I started really dropping a lot of weight. Mm. Um, and yeah, so my first kind of going back to the, like getting into the OCR part, um, my very first OCR was, was a warrior dash, uh, makes me sad that, you know, they're not around anymore. Um, I, I had a blast. Uh, it was really fun. Uh, my, my sister-in-law, we used to have these block parties and my sister-in-law had run one, um, a few years before I had started and she had told me about it. And, um, you know, with block parties, you know, I was in the alcohol stage and, you know, I used to have a party and, you know, I didn't want to get up the, the next day before to, um, to do these runs. I was like, this is dumb. You know, I'm not going to continue to party. Uh, <laughs> and one year I just decided to sign up for it and I, I had a blast and it, 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 it kind of, you know, trickled down from there. I, I, my, um, my, my wife now, uh, she found um, Spartan on, on Facebook, actually. And uh, so I had ran a couple warrior dashes and, you know, I was really like looking to, to level up to something different. Yeah. And she and we had I wanted to, to try the Spartan race. And back then, you know, uh, 2016 was my first one. Um, I had only ran I ran one sprint that entire year. It was in Chicago. Um. And back then you didn't need to, you know, qualify for elite or anything. And, um, so I signed up for the elite cause it was the first wave, you know, kind of like a lot of people did. Um, and I really wanted to challenge myself and, and, and boy, <laughs> I, I, uh, it was, was quickly, uh, handed a slice of humble pie, man. Like I was finished like almost dead last. So do you, and, uh, do you remember how many burpees you had to do? Um, well, back then, like, 
I, w- I was lucky with the spear throw. I hit my spear throw. Oh, that's and, awesome. And, like, back then, you know, they, they didn't really have, like, Twister wasn't out yet. Um, and I don't think Olympus was on the course. So the only thing I fell off of uh, was, was the multi-rig. Um, so I, I, my first, yeah, my first race, I only had 30 burpees. Um, and it was, the course was a little bit over five miles and man, it took me like an hour and a half. <laughs> it was, it was, yeah, it was pretty bad. <laughs> well, um, so you found OCR and so, and you did your first Spartan and I imagine you got hooked and then you wanted to get like mm-hmm. better and faster. And, mm-hmm. uh. I when you you like something happened at Thanksgiving. I was reading on one of your posts, and uh, tell us a little bit about what happened. Um. Okay. Yeah. So um, Thanksgiving of two thousand um, two thousand twenty. Actually, like during the pandemic, uh, I had this weird sensation um, where, like, I was eating some sweet potatoes, and like my mouth immediately filled with saliva and it was really bizarre i'd never thought i felt it before i had to like walk away from the table and like for like minutes just like saliva just was coming pouring out of my mouth um and i didn't really think anything of it um because nothing happened after that uh and it went, you know, like I probably went another couple months before I had something like that happen again. Um, and it actually started in the the dead of winter. I started coughing at night and, um, I just kind of chalked it up to, um, like a really, you know, cold winter. We were, I think, you know, five degrees, zero degrees, whatever it was outside. Um, you know, it was dry in the house. So I had tried a humidifier that didn't work. Uh, we, I got into the doctor's appointment and, you know, of course with a cough, they immediately thought it was COVID, you know, it was COVID negative. Mm. Uh, and then, and then I started getting, um, again, to this point, I hadn't had that same problem happen from Thanksgiving. This was just like, that was the first time that I had thought, uh, or that I remember that this happened. Um, Sorry, I'm kind of bouncing all over the place here. <laughs> Fun. Um, so it, I was coughing at night, and then um, so they had thought maybe to try like a sleep specialist or like a pulmonologist, um, and then I started having more difficulties eating and spitting up more. Mm. Um, and so basically, they moved on to to uh, to try like an endoscopy. Um, you know, where they like, they kind of, you know, stick down the, all the stuff down your, your throat, right. uh, to see what's going on in your esophagus. So basically they found this esophageal stricture, um, and they had to like stretch my esophagus, uh, and it basically felt better for, I don't know, a week or so. Um, and then I had to do some more specialized testing uh, more things up and down my, my nose, down my esophagus, uh, all kinds of crazy stuff. Um, and I was finally diagnosed. Um, it's called achalasia. And it's a rare disorder. They don't really know where it comes from. They think it's an autoimmune disorder. Basically, uh, 
the muscles in my esophagus stopped working the way that they should. Um, so food doesn't pass through into my stomach properly uh, the way that it, that it should. Uh, so like I would regurgitate food a lot. Uh, I would do this like spitting up at night or spitting up like after food. And then I would like, I would cough all night. Like basically the way they explained it to me is when you lay down flat, uh, your esophagus like stretches a certain way and mine like because of the damaged nerves and damaged muscles like air wouldn't pass through properly um so that would be like why i would cough so like what little sleep i got i had to sleep like sitting up um and and uh it yeah it was just kind of like a mess for a while a bit <laughs> yeah um, so that I was diagnosed in April of 2021. Uh, and at this point I had already signed up for my first hundred miler which <laughs> was in June. So <laughs> to tell you about something that was uh, very difficult to do, um, was to run a hundred miles, barely being able to eat and drink and, not being able to sleep at night. <laughs> See, now that's what I was about to ask. Well, like when when you had this, like how hard did it make like your training and you know, like your races when you need fuel and just I mean, living day to day too, just you know, eating and all. Like were you like under was it like messing up like the amount of nutrients that you were taking in every day? Yeah, so like Oddly enough, uh, during my actual workouts, it's when I actually feel the best. Um, I don't really have any issues. Oh, that's good. Uh, yeah, yeah. It's, you know, obviously, like, when you are done working and, and like, especially uh, ultras, uh, you know, the long-distance stuff, I have to just be really calculated with what I eat, um, and and I just have to take my time while I do it. Uh, which which kind of sucks, right? You know, like when you're when you're competitive about it. Um, with the hundred miler, with it being my first one, um, I, I I wasn't super competitive. I, I was kind of more, uh, you know, my goal was to to finish. Um, I, I took my time, uh, and um, just made sure that I was being able to to eat. Like I can, if I cut things up small enough. Um, if I really take my time to chew, uh, most stuff, um, it seems to, to, to go better now. Uh, and especially, uh, water now is, is a lot better than what it was. So I was, it was so bad to where like I would drink a glass of water and, and it would just stop in the middle of my esophagus and it, it would have a lot of, I would have a lot of pain, um, until, my muscle decided to relax and it would fall into my stomach. Um, so they have a way to fix it. Um, uh, surgery is, is one option. There's other options you can do. Um, I was referred to university of Michigan and there's, there's a pretty good surgeon there that, that, uh, did a laparoscopic surgery for right. me. Um, so they basically cut those muscles um, so I had that surgery, uh, like a few weeks after the hundred miler in June. Um, cause he, 
the doctor uh, was really adamant about me obviously doing the race before the surgery because the surgery was was like a 10-week recovery or so. Wow. Um, so so things are are better now post-surgery, uh, but I but I definitely still uh, struggle some days here and there. So. so you can't just scarf down pizza anymore, huh? Exactly. It, it definitely makes um, Spartan specifically with the ultras because of the transition area. It, it, it definitely makes it, it adds a new element. Um, I used to do the ultras without wearing a vest or anything because I would just come into the transition and just eat a ton of food really quickly and then go out for the next lap. Um, right. So now I kind of have to space things out. Uh, I take food with me um, so I can eat while I'm out on the course uh, instead of in transition, which kind of sucks because, you know, I'd, you know, I, it, you know, it sucks to, to carry around that extra weight. Right. You got to feel your body, right? So. So what kind of foods are like, you know, yes foods and what kind of foods are like no foods, you know, when you're racing and just when you're not racing in general? So for me personally, what, what I've noticed, um, I, I recently joined, uh, there's like a support group on, on, uh, Facebook and Instagram and like hashtags and following stuff. Uh, I've noticed that there is no like rhyme or reason to, to this disorder, like just based off of like other people's posts, different people are affected differently. Um, but, but for me specifically, definitely, foods that 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 do work um are uh, uh i like watermelon um it, it seems to go down really really good i definitely eat a ton of it um foods that that don't work uh breads uh so i i try to avoid like all types of of breads um sometimes um I, ha- I make these little uh, like energy balls. Uh, they've got like a ton of like peanut butter, uh, flaxseed, and, and ground seed, um, and coconut, and those those tend to go down pretty good. But it's really weird because like if I eat peanut butter by itself, it gets stuck. But like if I eat it with something else, that kind of helps go down a little bit better. So yeah, that's what I was about to say. I would think that peanut butter would be something you would have an issue with. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's really kind of random. Um, and, and I don't know if it has to do with like, um, like what, what kind of stress I'm in during the day, uh, because like some days it's okay and some days it's not. Um, so hang on a second. I'm, uh, outside and the guy next to me is, uh, using his leaf blower. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, there's somebody cutting grass outside of my house too. So I don't know if people will be able to hear that. If you do, I'm sorry. Right. Right. <laughs> right. Um, so, um, what was that? The, oh, so like certain types of foods that, that, that do and don't work. That's right. Uh, so, uh, I'm a big guacamole fan. Um, so like I eat a lot of guacamole and that, that goes down really, really good. Uh, and plus with it being like a really healthy fat and doing a lot of long distance running, um, you know, your heart rate is lower. Uh, so the healthy fats definitely help a lot for sure. So what's like your, you know, like when you do like a Spartan ultra or something, what is your, like, what are you fueling with like during the race? Uh, mainly like 
while I'm out on the course, you mean like not in transition. Right. Um, so goo packs are pretty much, uh, my main source, both like at races and like training too. Um, and, um, I do, uh, take with me like, um, kind bars. Those tend to work a lot, really good for me Hmm. as well. Um, and then, uh, maple syrup. Oh yeah. I would imagine that would go down pretty easy. Yep. I would think like a thick gel might would get stuck kind of like peanut butter though too, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's kind of weird. Yeah. It's kind of weird. Like if it's, uh, if I just take like, like the little small packs of, of the goose, like the real small, like individual ones, like if I can just get it down in one gulp, um, I tend not to have a problem with it. So does it help better if you like chase it with water too? Um, so again, it's, it's kind of like situational sometimes like if i sit down for dinner uh i I can't drink with when i'm eating um but like if yeah like if i'm out running um and i and i eat like a goo pack and then i take like a swig of water it it does help Hmm. um i i i haven't quite figured out uh i i try to um i keep like a food journal since all of this started wow and i have tried to like connect dots and like bring some type of correlation to all of this. And I, I still can't figure it out. So <laughs> I don't know if I just need a bigger sample size or, you know, right. who knows. Does it like mess with like acid reflux? Does it have like, I mean, does this, you would think like something like this would trigger that or something like that? Um, not, not really. Uh, so the, the, the other part of the surgery, um, because I don't have that muscle anymore that stops the food from coming back up into your esophagus. Right. Uh, so what they did is they took my stomach and they wrapped it like around my esophagus. Um, so like after the food goes down into my stomach, um, it can't go back up because the, 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 um, the, my stomach is like wrapped around a few times. So. Right. So when you did your hundred miler, were you nervous about going into it? You know, I mean, I know you said oh, you're kind of taking it yeah, easy. For but, sure. Yeah, yeah. 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 Um, I had one, uh, really bad flare up, uh, around the 50 K mark, um, somewhere between, somewhere between the marathon and the 50 K. I don't remember exactly. Um, it was at that aid station, I think maybe mile 27 or 28 or so. Um, I had, had, uh, stopped, um, I had my pit crew with me, uh, and I was trying to eat something and it, it was just, it stuck, it's, it stuck there for a while. Um, and, and I was not in a good spot, uh, and it finally just kind of decided to release and, and I felt a lot better. And, um, I was happy enough that that was really the only like really hard time that I had for the whole race, right. uh, at least Accalasia wise. Um, so, but yeah, I was, I was pretty nervous, um, there for a few minutes because I thought like, geez, you know, I'm gonna have to throw the towel in, like, Mm. you know, I'm barely even past the 50 K mark like this, you know, this really sucks. But, uh, I was lucky enough that it cleared up and was able to get another 70 miles in. So, (laughs) so like when that happens, is it like a choking 
sensation or is it just like a pain above your stomach because it's already gone down so far? Um, just uncomfortable. Right. Uh, it, it, it depends like how much food and like what kind of food. Um, it's not really like a super sharp pain. Um, it's just really uncomfortable. Like, it's kind of hard to explain. Like if you like hold, just like hold water in your mouth and just walk around with it for a few minutes. Um, you just like, geez, this is really just like uncomfortable and boring. Like I just want to swallow it. Yeah. You know, um, it's kind of like that. Uh, there is, is pain definitely. Um, that doesn't have anything to do with eating. Um, I do have like spasms in my esophagus every so often. Hmm. Um, I don't really know why, uh, they, they, they can't really figure out. Um, I've asked the doctor before and they don't really know, um, if it has to do with, uh, the stomach or, you know, they don't, they, they're not really sure where it comes from. Mm. Um, but yeah. So you feel like you got a pretty good handle on it now though, you know, definitely much better than, than what I did before. Right. Yeah. Well, that's yeah. good. So, man, I was looking at, like, some of your past results, and I noticed that you've done, like, you've done all of the Spartan 24-hour ultra races, hadn't you? Yeah, yes, sir. Uh, uh, the only one I didn't make it to was was the first one. Uh, the first one in 2017. Right. Uh, that was actually when I decided that I wanted to start doing ultras because <laughs> I saw the highlights from that first one. I was like, man, that's really cool. Uh, I, I, I want to start doing that. <laughs> So, like, tell us about, like, some of those races. Like, which, out of all those races, which one was, like, the coolest venue to you? Mm. Um, they definitely all had their uniqueness to them. Um, 2018 in Iceland uh, was, was, was really cool. Uh, 20 hours of the race was in darkness, right? Like, you, the sun, because it's in December, the sun never really even like comes up it just kind of like grazes the horizon just barely um so we were there for a week uh we did some sight scenes it's really cool the the uh one of the tectonic plates come through there so you can kind of walk through that area uh it's a national park there and that was really cool um but also being december we weren't able to do too much because it's it's pretty cold there uh comparable to like michigan weather Uh, so so we were able to, to kind of go around like the city and stuff and like a few areas around the city, but we weren't able to explore too much. Um, really bummed that I didn't get to see cause the, that first year in 2017, uh, the Northern lights came out and, uh, in 2018 when, when I ran it, the, my first one, uh, they didn't come out all night. So it was, oh, that was a little bummer, but we had, uh, we had bought a book, uh, about, about Iceland and, and they said, pretty clearly in there like expect going there not to like expect not to see them and consider it a bonus if you do see them so um yeah uh and then back to to the actual race um it was very it was very uh uh windy um and and dark 
and you know you your your mind goes to to really weird places uh at two in the morning when you're when you're carrying a bucket of rocks uh <laughs> freezing to death no yeah it's snow and cold and you know everything like that so um so that was that was fun and and so that first one that i did uh uh again like you didn't that was before the elite qualification thing so I ran it in elite just to, to kind of go out and get my feet wet with it. Mm-hmm. You know, having the idea that I wanted to continue the, to do them. Um, and so I, I finished kind of like in the middle of the pack. Uh, I did okay. Um, had some fun. It, it was definitely a learning experience. Uh, I had never done anything like it before. And, and the next year in Sweden was, was when I really kind of like switched over to age group mm-hmm. um and that's when i kind of fell in love with even more with this with the sport um because like i uh um you know i had run elite up to this point and you know it's like i'm just getting destroyed and like this isn't really too much fun um and 2019 is is when i switched over to the age group and and you know started getting the podiums and stuff and uh so 2019 was was the one in, in Sweden and and uh my wife is is part Swedish. Oh, so cool. she was super jacked about going. Um you know, we got to explore part of part of the, the country. Um we we went to Stockholm. Uh you know, we checked out a lot of stuff there. Um and and Sweden was I guess what was unique there was was the 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 actual coldness of the the race um iceland wasn't really too too cold um it was more of the darkness and then um sweden was was the cold uh, most of the race was five degrees and below yeah um it, it was it was really cold um now was that race like in the dark a lot or not as bad as iceland not not nearly as not as much uh it was a whole month earlier so they had done it in november uh opposed to december um so we didn't it had a little bit more light uh uh light to to the race um so you didn't have you didn't have 20 hours where you had to have a headlamp on so and then 2021 this last year was in telluride uh and definitely the uniqueness there was was the altitude um coming from from michigan uh, you know, were you know eight nine hundred feet or so, mm-hmm. and and you know there we were uh, almost eleven thousand, I think ten thousand feet or so. A lot of the race was at was at high altitude like that. Um, and did the elevation uh, bother you? Uh, not as much as what I was thinking. Um, it definitely affects. It we'll see now. It's like it's kind of hard for me to tell. Um, because of the achalasia thing. So like I wasn't able to, to eat that well, but I can't tell if that was just like an altitude thing or if it was because of the achalasia. So, right. <laughs> you know, did you feel more fatigued, uh, running, you know, that race at elevation? Like when um, could you tell by your, just your pacing and everything? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, definitely. It, it definitely takes a little bit more out of you. Um, I, but I had done, uh, I had gotten more mileage in Telluride opposed to Sweden and Iceland. 
Um, but I don't know if that's just account for like me being more fit um, than what I was in 2019. Well, y'all so, aren't running through snow the whole time there either, were you? <laughs> uh no actually yeah the weather was 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 pretty good oh oh you mean like in sweden right yeah 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 because they were getting ready for for ski season in sweden um and so they had their snow machines um running 24 7 uh pulling water there was a like a lake right there by where the race was right so they were pulling water out of the lake and and it basically was snowing for 20, the, the entire race. What mileage did you get at all at all of those races? Uh, so each one um, was was a little bit different format. Right in Iceland, uh, there was a it was six six and a half six and a half mile loops, um, and I had gotten. Uh, so like 40 something 40 ish miles whatever i think i did six or seven laps right um and then for sweden i got it was a five mile loop and i did 10 loops so i got 50 miles in sweden and then in in telluride this last year it was so your first loop you did like a beast course right and then every loop after that you did a 10k um so and of course they're Spartan miles. So uh, I was almost to a hundred k, but according to 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 their mileage, uh, I think it was like around eighty k or so. Right. So. Huh. So when they uh, broke off from the uh, once you did the beast course in Telluride and you went and did the the ten k side, was that pretty much like a super course as far as the obstacles went? Um. They kind of so for the actual ultra world championship, they they kind of throw in mainly ultra, um, like a little like a mix of kind of like all of the obstacles. Right. Uh, it's it's not specifically a super for sure. Uh, like for example, um, they didn't have like a Z wall on the super like the super only part of it. Um, trying to think what other. But they did have so like, um, so like in Sweden, for example, it was a five mile loop, but they had like twenty five obstacles on that five miles. So like you had a lot of obstacles to do, um, but they leave out some. Um, there's kind of no. It's kind of nice because like you know with all the standardization of it, mm-hmm. when you do the Ultra World Championship, there's was kind of like no rhyme or reason to the obstacles. So it's kind of nice. Right, and and y'all had to carry like those punch cards too, and you did your burpees like at the very end of the lap, right? Yes, yep, yep. So basically, um, it's a, it's the same as like a regular race. So you've got your burpee obstacles, you've got penalty loops, and you've got mandatory obstacles. Um, so I, at your burpee obstacles, yeah, you've got a passport. When you complete the obstacle, they they have the whole punch there. And they punch your punch your punch the passport, and when you get to the end of the loop, um, you you know they count up your your punches, and you know you have X amount of burpees to do um, before you can go on to your next lap. What was the and most then, burpees you ever had to do at the end of one of those laps? Um, 
So after midnight, it switches from 30 to 15. That's a good uh, so that thing. makes a so that makes a big difference um, when when you know when you're super tired and and you know it's you know four or five in the morning um, and you fail a couple you know it's not a big deal. Um, I think the most I ever had to do uh, was ninety. Wow, I think that's the most I ever had to do. Sweden was tough. Uh, because the way that they had set up the obstacles, there was a few really tough gauntlets in there uh, that was really heavy on your arms and stuff like that. So I bet Olympus was rough in the snow and wind. Yeah, for sure. Definitely. Yep. <clears throat> so what was it like, like doing 90 burpees in like 5 a.m.? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the, the burpees part of it obviously uh, definitely sucks. Um uh, it really questions why, why, uh, you, you're doing it, you know, <laughs> mm. um, lucky, lucky enough though. Like, uh, I don't, I, because they switch it to the 15, uh, that 90 that I had to do was earlier on or in the race when you have a little bit more energy. Right. Um, you know, the, the most I ever had to do that late at night, um, I think I've had a few laps where I've only had to do 15, oh, a few good. laps I've only had to do 30. So, and the, I mean, especially this, actually this last one with Telluride, um, I, I was pretty obstacle proficient. Um, I had to do minimal burpees. I think I missed a couple spears. Um, and I got to a point where the Olympus had a penalty loop and you know, it was after midnight or so, and I started seeing more people do the penalty loop, and um, it just, you know, right. made more sense to just run the penalty loop really quick than, you know, having to do all the energy to get across Olympus. You know, it just made a little bit more sense. Right. Um, but, yeah, I, I haven't really um, had, to, had to do too many burpees uh, uh, super late at night. Mm. So out of all of those races, which one did you like the most? Hmm. Um, I would have to say Sweden was, was the most fun. Uh, it was the first time I had ever gotten a, a Delta plaque. Uh, so that was cool. Uh, cause I had gotten third and everything else with the trip uh, the race was was obviously cool and unique in itself, but everything else with the trip was cool uh, because, like I said, my wife is is part Swedish, so that was really fun to like go to like where she was from um, and and explore other stuff, and then um, the race itself was was a blast, and and, and getting that that first delta I think kind of like sticks in my mind too, so. Mm-hmm. So, are you planning on doing uh, Ultra World Champions in Tahoe this year? Uh, yes, yes, I am already signed up for it. Oh, cool. <laughs> so, yeah. like, what, like, how do you prepare for like one of these events? You know, because I would say that it's it's a little bit different and more unique than say running like a hundred miler that may take twenty four hours. Like, <clears throat> like, what's your thought process in doing this and training? And, like, how has it evolved, like, race to race? Like, you know, what's, what have you learned didn't work and what did work? And, like, how is this, since you've got a lot of experience running all of these races, like, 
what is your you know your plan going into it this year or how it's evolved um i guess <laughs> what i do and 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 having my my daughter is added to this um if this makes any sense uh the only plan is there is no plan <laughs> <laughs> um i i just go out for workouts whenever um instead of having like when I first started out with training, you know, I was pretty, and like a lot of us, I'm sure, you know, a lot of guys are, are and girls are very routine based, you know, you, you do it at a certain time, you know, you recover properly, uh, um, you know, you get your food, you know, you do your rest of your day or whatever. Uh, for me, I, I, you know, if I got to hang out with, with my daughter longer, I, if I got to, you know, if my wife's got to take care of something, um, you know, whatever this, the situation is, uh, you know, I just squeeze the workout in whenever, um, there definitely are some times where I try to be calculated and that's on the weekends, uh, when I'm getting ready for long distance stuff, I try to stack them. Right. So basically what I mean, like, so like if I'm getting ready for, uh, you know, a race that's going to go Saturday into Sunday, um, I'll do my workout late saturday uh i just did this a, a few weekends ago actually um we uh celebrated mother's day because my wife was on call on mother's day so we celebrated mother's day on saturday right so we we spent all day you know doing stuff um going to the zoo and, and stuff like that and saturday night after everyone went to bed uh i had already ran a few, you know i had already ran a little bit in the morning before everyone woke up Saturday and then um, Saturday night after everyone went to bed, I went back out and I ran some more uh, like 1030, 1130 at night, uh, past midnight. Um, and then Sunday, the next day, I, I try to sleep like a little bit less. Right. Um, and then do a really hard workout on Sunday morning um, on minimal rest uh, mm. just to kind of get my body used to running on tired legs. Right. Uh, so I can be um, ready, you know, when things, um, you know, when it's, you know, three in the morning and, and you don't want to continue to go, that's kind of where you draw that strength from. Hmm. So. so when you're like getting ready for the race, like what's like stuff that you're having like at your transition area for a 24 hour race, you know? Um, that's definitely evolved. Uh, especially because, you know, kind of look at it like pre-achalasia and now post-achalasia. Pre-achalasia, it didn't really matter. Uh, I would just eat whatever uh, I could get my hands on. Um, You know, it could be everything. It could be Pop-Tarts. It could be, um, and I still like, you know, the stuff that I do now, like the watermelon, the guacamole, stuff like that. Um, but you know, pre achalasia and, and post achalasia it's definitely changed in, in uniqueness. Uh, and now it's kind of more of like, um, uh, you know, the watermelon, the guacamole, uh, uh, sweet potatoes do, um, work out. Okay. Uh, and, um, like some proteins. So like chicken, um, stuff like that. 
And what kind of like gear and all do you like have? Like, I mean, I'm sure you got like, you know, a whole extra wardrobe ready to go in case something messes <laughs> up. Right. Um, yeah, for sure. There's always extra. Uh, I, I think I've got like four or five headlamps, uh, you know, that are all charged and ready to go just in case. Um, yeah. Shoes wise. Uh, I don't take a, a whole bunch of them, but like, you know, two or three pairs, um, is good. Uh, gloves, you know, yeah, basically everything. Um, I have a, a, a an extra set with me just in case for sure. Um, and so with ultra world championships specifically, you've got like a whole little designated area mm-hmm. where you can put all your stuff. So, right. So, um, what advice would you give to somebody, you know, that's thinking about doing ultra world championships this year? Mm. Um, well, being in Tahoe, uh, with the altitude, um, definitely try to, so like what I like to do is, is try to get there, um, like a week before, uh, so you can get your body acclimated, um, as, as best as you can, right? Like, you know, a few days ahead of time is better than, than, than nothing. Um, so I think that really helped me in Telluride because I had gotten there a little bit before. Um, I did a few runs there in Colorado just to try to, um, you know, get myself acclimated to it. Um, and the other, I guess, uh, a pretty good piece of advice, uh, would be to just have fun with it. You know, if it's your first one, um, that's, that's awesome to like shoot for this amazing goal. Uh, but you know, it takes time to, to, to understand your body when you're going for 24 straight hours. And if you've never done anything like it before, you're going to have no idea how your body's going to react. Right. So, um, my best advice, if it's your first one, is just have fun with it. Yeah. See, um, and that's what I'm doing this year because I'm signed up for World's Toughest Mudder this year. And it's okay. like you said, I've never done an event that's lasted 24 hours. And people are like, yeah, man, you'll crush it. You'll get this many miles and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, no, I'm going there to just have fun and just see what it's all about and just see how I feel throughout the night because I'm probably one of those people that I'll just – fall over asleep you know you know (laughs) i'll be like i'll just sit here for a second and fall asleep for like three hours so i mean i just want to go and just kind of have fun and try to stay out there 24 hours as long as it doesn't get super cold yeah (laughs) it's i've evolved the same way uh uh, based off iceland in 2018 versus telluride this last year you know i spent a lot more time in transition in Iceland. I had spent a lot more time like sitting down just off my feet, just kind of soaking it all in. Right. Um, you know, now that I understand that I can push myself for that long, I, I do, you know? So what is your pacing strategy when you go into an event like that? Is it kind of like a perceived effort or do you kind of watch your watch and see, you know, exactly, you know, what you should be paced by? Uh, I do. I do watch my heart rate on on my watch um and just keep my heart rate low right it's it's pretty pretty much it um i i i try to to 
you know, everyone says, you know, to run your own race. Right. And, and then you, you know, you see what happens from there. Right. Um, so I, I, it's even more important in, in such a long race like that. Um, you know, I, in Telluride this last year, I came in after the, the first loop there, the beast loop. And, uh, you know, they, uh, they wanted to tell me, you know, how, where I was and everything is like, don't tell me now. I don't <laughs> need to hear it. Tell me, tell me in like 10 hours. <laughs> yeah. Right. Um, because they're, you know, after the beast loop and then the first loop of the 10 K, I think there was this guy that was just, just way out in front. And <laughs> eventually I, I just, I roped him in, um, because he had went out way too hard, too fast. Um, right and he, he couldn't sustain it. So he ended up in third and, and I ended up in first. So, yeah. I mean, it's like, and, and that's kind of like the way I feel it's hard to, you know, when you see everybody run out to not try to run with them, you know, but you know, the smarter thing to do in a 24 hour race is, is to go out easy, super easy, easier than you mm-hmm. think, because it's yep. a long race yep. and you know, your body's going to fatigue. It's only a matter of time, you know? Yep, exactly. Hmm. Yeah, and I and I hate to like go all. Uh, uh, I'm a big David Goggins fan, you know. So like, find find strength in the misery kind of thing. Um, but like, you know, he's got you know the couple of quotes there about like when you look in someone's eye, and and, and they're like they're getting down on themselves and they're tired and and like I guess I have this weird kind of mentality where like I see that in someone else's eyes and it just like fires me up, you know, like it gives me strength um, to see someone else just like, Oh my God, I don't want to be here anymore. Right. You know? And, and I, and I love it. <laughs> yeah. You know, I love, like you learn a lot about yourself, you know, at, 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 you know, two in the morning when you're carrying a bucket of rocks up a mountain. You know, and it, it's, it's funny cause you know, when you're doing an ultra, it seems like, you know, when you're talking to yourself, you'll be like, yeah, I'm doing good. I feel good, you know, and it's like that to me, that doesn't help much. But when you're running and you get that first negative thought, like this sucks and like, is this about to happen? It just seems like those feelings dwell so much more heavier than like, you trying to talk yourself up, at least for my mentality. So it's like when the first negative thought hits, it's like I, I instantly just try to change what I'm thinking about, about thinking about something else. Like, you know, when you're looking at the ground and you get that negative thought, I'll try to just immediately just look up, look at something and think about something else because it just seems like, you know, it's like the negative thoughts just dwell so much harder in your head than like the positive thoughts do. You know For what sure. I mean? It's yeah, like, yeah, mindset is, is huge. Yep. I always tell people like a lot of, you know, a lot of people like non runner friends and, you know, uh, the community of people that, that want to get into to working out and like want to start running and, you know, look at me as an inspiration. Um, and, and they always ask me and, and I even have like a, almost like a, just stuck in the back of my mind. The first thing I always say to them is find a why, right. you know, if you, it doesn't matter what your why is, there's no right or wrong answer, but if you don't have a strong enough, why it, you're going to quit before you even start. Right. It, it's cause it's going to suck, but your why has to be strong enough to get past that. 
you got to break, you know, you break through that wall. Yeah. You know, it's like, you just got to get out of your own head. You know what I mean? And I mean, and when I'm running ultras, like I'll speak to every single person I go by and every single person that goes by me, because, you know, it gets me out of what I'm thinking about at the time, whether it's, whether it's positive or negative. If, if I'm talking to somebody, you know, I mean, and I know there's a lot of people out there that, you know, if they're running a race, you know, and they're breathing hard, they can't talk and they feel like it takes more energy to talk. But I mean, I don't care about that. I mean, I'd rather, I'd rather talk to people and be social, you know, especially in a long race like that. I mean, to me, yeah, it just the, makes it fun and you meet people, you know, and you talk to people and you'll, you'll see them after the race and they'll come up to and talk to you too. But that's just one thing I've always done because it just, it just, it keeps everything changing and everything kind of like interesting at the same time you know for sure yeah the 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 second lap in the ultras are i always get a uh you know an uplift right um you know a lot of the you know beast open wave people are are you know they're super supportive and you know even if this even if the support is you know oh man you're crazy like i would never do that like something even subtle like that like yeah you know i mean it, it, give, it gives you a little bit of like kick, you know? Right. So, yeah. I mean, but you know, and, and back to like the mindset, you know, you know, and, and what I was saying, like when you give yourself, when you dwell on the negative more than you do the positive, it's kind of like when, you know, when you leave a, a review at a restaurant or a hotel, most of the time, you know, people will leave a negative feedback before they leave a positive feedback. You know what I mean? Yep. So it's kind of like you're doing that to yourself. You know, it's like you're giving yourself a negative feedback. And, you know, and all that does is just hinder, you know, what what the business is that you're out there doing anyway. You see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So it's like you, you always got to just stay positive. And that's why I just, when, as soon as that first negative thought hits, like, oh, is that a cramp I feel? Do I feel a blister? It's like I honest, I just try to switch my mind to something else. Like I'll look up and look in the woods and think about something else, you know? And I just think that that, that just yep. says a lot and it helps a lot, you know? Yep. <clears throat> well, shoot, Matt, man, we're getting close towards the end of this, but you know, I always ask people the same questions every time they come on here, man. So okay. to this day, like what has been your most favorite race and why? Hmm. I guess uh, since we've we've mostly talked about the the Ultra World Championships, uh, <laughs> um, I, I would definitely have to, to side with the, the Sweden race for sure. Um, it, it was just so unique, and, and um, you know, it was my second one, uh, so it was it was the first time that I had really like gone after it and like really extra competitive towards it, uh, and and the, the surrounding trip around it too just was was really fun. Yeah, and that was kind of like a chance in a you know a, a chance in a lifetime thing because you know they may I mean Spartan will probably never go back to that venue and and do it again. Yeah. You know? Yep. So. Yep. For sure. Yep. All right. So like reverse that question. What's been your least favorite race and why? You know, I, I had listened to to a few. Um, you know, I've listened to a few and 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 you. <laughs> and uh of, of your shows and and you know i when we had talked about like me coming on i was like man you know he's gonna ask me what his favorite <laughs> one is and 
you have to think about it, you know, because like they're all unique in their own special way. Uh, you know, I could easily say like my first one because it was just miserable and I like hated it and, and, you know, (laughs) but like that was the beginning of it. So that, you know, that one's special to me for sure. Uh, I would say the only time that I haven't, like, I didn't actually have fun, um, was, was the Palmerton super. Uh, it's, it's the only time I've been there. Uh, it was in 2019 and, and I just didn't have it that day. Mm. Uh, it was to this date, like my worst performance, um, for sure. Uh, you know, I did lots of silly things. I fell on my face numerous times. Uh, you know, the, the, the famous stepping on the rope with, with the, the spear throw. Oh shit. Uh, you know, I like all the silly mistakes. Right. So, and just didn't, it just didn't vibe. Right. And, and, um, haven't had a chance to get back there. Um, so that, that kind of, you know, digs at me a little bit deeper too. Like the only time I've been there and, and I had this, this, bad race so you know that race is always just it's a mother bitch of a race you know because (laughs) you've got these super steep climbs and it's a short race and you're i mean it's like this is like a climb that would be like on a ultra on a ultra beast you know and Mm -hmm. you know it's got technical downhills it's got fast open downhills i mean it's just got a lot of bang for its buck in a 10 K course. And, uh, well, last year they didn't have that sandbag carry at the top that they've, it's always known for having. But when you run all the way to the top of that mountain and then you had to pick up that sandbag and do that hellacious carry. I mean, it was just, I mean, it's what made Palmerton Palmerton such a, a tough race. And, you know, I'm I'm going back this year. I I think I've done it every year since 2018, so I think this is my fourth time going back. But uh, you know, last year they put the sandbag carry like down towards the bottom where they usually have the bucket carry, and they did it in like a Spartan helmet formation, which it was still hard. But right, what made it interesting last year was is you started at the bottom. And it was a race all the way to the top and where they usually have that sandbag, that was where you finished at the top was going up that steep climb. And, you know, that, that, that was pretty, that that was pretty rough at the beginning of the race. You know, you're not really super warmed up yet and you're like hitting the steep climb. And I mean, it just felt like you'd already like spent your wad, you know? By the time you got to the top and you're like, okay, I've got to muster up something to finish this race, you know, mm-hmm. yep. that's always such a, a challenging race just because they, they just send you on such a steep ascent right from the get go, you know, mm-hmm. yep. but, uh, well, uh, Matt, I'm, I'm out of questions, man. Is there like anything you want to add to this? Um, I don't, I don't think so. I think we covered quite a bit, uh, it, it's, it's been a blast to, to, to talk, to chat. Um, I, I have been trying to be pretty open, uh, like on my social media about like the accolade and everything. Right. And, and, you know, with your posts, you can only talk so much about it. So it's, it's, it feels good to kind of like chat more about it. Uh, even though I don't really know too much about it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, just to, you know, talk about it. Um, so, you know, people can, 
can hear and listen about it uh, and, you know, everything that's, that's difficult around it. Um, you know, a lot of people, you know, would look at it and say, well, geez, you know, you could just give up with, with, you know, doing these races, you know, like, why do you keep going through it and stuff? So, um, but I, 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 I love it. And, and, you know, it, it just adds a new element to it, yeah. um, you know, of understanding your body even more. So, um, I've training for my next hundred miler. Uh, it's the same one I did last year. Uh, it's coming up soon, uh, less than a month. So, Sweet. I'm pretty excited about that. So, <clears throat> tell people where they can uh, find you on socials. Uh, so, Facebook's just with uh, Matt Cordy. Uh, so, last name is K O R D I E. A lot of people like to spell it with a C or a Y. Hmm. Uh, and then Instagram is just M Cordy, just M and then K O R D I E. Well, cool. Well, hey, Matt. Hey, man. I appreciate you chatting with us. Yeah. Yeah, it's been a blast, and uh, look look forward to, to seeing you at the next Ultra. Yeah, man. Take care. You too. Hope you enjoyed the interview. I want to thank Matt again for taking time to talk to us. Uh, my next race isn't until Palmerton, and uh, so hopefully I can get some good training in before the end and recover from doing these last two Ultras because, man, I, I've never done two 30-mile races like two weeks apart, so that was kind of like a new thing to me you know and during the race I was thinking about this too because when I started when I started getting into running I I absolutely did too much too fast and uh, I was running 5k's and you know instead of doing like a couch to 5k program I was like I'm just gonna go run a mile and then the next day I added a half a mile and I did that and I got IT band syndrome like super bad and I took some time off and ended up getting a stress fracture in, in my tibia too. And I pretty much had to take like six months off before I could start running again. And it took me forever to get back, you know, what I'd lost and get back to the speed. And I just remember, and I still had problems with my knees, just kind of aching and, and everything. And I remember doing like the first year I did uh, Spartans. I did, the, you know, I did a couple of sprints and I was thinking, you know, I just don't think I could do a beast because, you know, I have so much problems with my knees. And we did the Ohio Beast in 2015 and sure as shit, mile four, I remember I come off the A-frame, it was around mile four, like both of my knees started bothering me and it was like IT band syndrome, you know, it just flared up for like the rest of the race and it was miserable, but I finished it and uh, I ended up, you know, doing two more beasts, uh, that year. And, uh, I think I did Dallas and the Carolinas and those, those, both of those beasts come up kind of short. I don't think they were even a full half marathon, but I didn't have any problems with it. But I remember, uh, finishing. No. Yes. Well, let me think. I'm thinking because Hmm. Yeah, so at the end of 2015, we did the Carolina Beast. And I was thinking at the end of that race, there was there was no way I could do an ultra. Because I just don't think my knees could handle it. And uh, I signed up for it for 2016. And we did it anyway. 
And this was back when the only ultras were at mountain courses. And it was the first year they did the New Jersey Ultra. And that was to be like one of the, 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 one of the least harder ultras at the time. So we did it. And sure as shit, before the end of the first lap, my IT bands just flared up and were giving me a fit. I had to run the whole second loop with IT band pain. And it sucked. But, I, you know, I finished it. And, I mean, I've, just like I say every year at Killington, I'm not going to do it again. I said at the end of that race, I said, I'm one and done. I mean, I'm just in too much pain and I don't want to do it again. And just the more and more races we did, and I didn't do another ultra again until 2018. And it was New Jersey again. And I just remember, like, that race was, you know, I was able to finish it and I didn't have any problems with my knees. And just looking back, I was, you know, like I said, this weekend I was running that race and I was just looking back and just thinking, you know, I've run two 30-mile races within two, within two weeks, you know. And, I mean, there's guys out there crushing it, doing way more than I am. But I just was thinking back to the first year when I was a, I was afraid to even attempt to get a trifecta in the first year because I just didn't think I could make it through a beast. And now I'm competitively running in my age group back-to-back, -back, you know, or not back-to-back, -back, but two weeks apart doing two 30-mile races, and I just feel like – you know, that to me, that's just an awesome achievement that I would have, you know, six years, seven years ago, I would have never dreamed of doing. And I just, that felt really good thinking about that in the middle of the race. And um, even, and even though I was, I mean, I was just, I was just stoked at the end of the race to be able to get first place in my age group, knowing that I just put out an ultra effort two weeks before. And, uh, you know, I was just very satisfied with that. And, you know, it's it's been a long time in the making, just being getting to where I am, getting to where my running's at, like running five days a week sometimes and six days a week, you know, and being able to do that. And I remember when I was first having problems, I had a lot of friends that were, you know, running every day. And I was just like, man, I wish I could just run three days a week and just run, you know, and not have, you know, pain in my knees. And, you know, I'm sure I've changed my running form a little bit since beginning and it's helped a lot with it and wearing the right shoes too. And, uh, man, it's just, we're just in the middle of the race. I was just reflecting on this and I was just saying, no, no matter what the result is today, I just felt that, you know, finishing this race and two weeks ago, I'd just run a a, a 30 mile race and I just that was just a good feeling and I mean it just it didn't matter what happened that was uh that was the positive I was taking from it but anyway like I said my next race will be Palmerton follow us on Facebook and Instagram and we'll see you there peace